You're tuned in to the Here to Last podcast, where we have authentic and meaningful conversations on topics that matter in life. I'm your host, Deborah Chan. We only have one chance at life, so it matters what we listen to. So lean in. Hello again. We're going to dive right into this topic of parenting, something I love to talk about, learn about, and I also love doing. So let's get into it. Asian parents and parenting. I've done my fair share of of observations and chit-chats to come to a conclusion on some things that I wish Asian parents would realize and stop doing. Am I making generalizations? Yes, of course, but in this case, it is a case of nurture versus nature. And I've seen these patterns surface over time, regardless of whether the parents are actually living in Asia or somewhere else around the world. These habits have been deeply embedded into the fabric of Asian culture and society. I mean, think about it. Why are books like The Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mom by Amy Chua written? or shows like Crazy Rich Asians that resonate so well with the Asian population. It's because we secretly nod at these quirks and ridiculous social norms that take place in our homes, in public spaces, or even if it's just in our minds. We might not do it, but we understand it. And that's what makes us Asian after all. So on a side note, if you have not read Amy Chua's Tiger Mom book, go and grab it in the stores or get an ebook. It is both hilarious and outright absurd. It is an easy read and I guarantee you that your inner Asian will be rolling on the floor laughing because Amy makes an Asian parent look like a beast or Miss Trunchbull from Matilda. So Asian parents, me included, we have to remind ourselves to stay clear of these parenting methods. There are heaps of advantages and pluses in the Asian context, but as with all things, there are drawbacks and we need to be consciously avoiding them. So I'm going to be sharing three observations that I made about Asian parenting. Sure, there is a degree of generalization that I made and excuse me in advance for these exceptions, but you realize that these are common things that happen within the Asian culture. So let's get to it. What are three things that Asian parents have to stop doing? The first is this. Don't raise robots, raise children. I'm sure you've heard this saying. They all come from the same factory. Meaning? If you have more than one child, the subsequent children you have are also born from the same mother and father. But that doesn't mean that all children are the same. They have different personalities, talents, temperaments, skill sets, preferences, learning styles, and love languages. You know what I mean. They're unique in every sense of the word. So there is no cookie-cutter solution or method to raise them up. You see, robots don't talk back out of free will. They do because they are programmed to do so. But children talk back, and sometimes when they do, they might hit you on the wrong nerve, agitate you or frustrate you. You might even think, this is not how it's supposed to be. Oftentimes in the Asian context, children are thought to be obedient 
to respect elders, to listen to every word and instruction given, to give correct answers that are acceptable. If not, the parent loses face, ma. And if you think about it, sometimes Asian parenting can look somewhat like programming robots. Give this answer. Sit this way. Only take one step forward, not more. We are also taught to be obedient in a way that we are not allowed to question our parents or teachers or anyone in authority on anything. Ah, this always tests our patience, especially with young children. We're all familiar with the why phase of development. It often starts happening between the age of three and four, and then it just continues on. Every other question is a why question. Why must I shower? Why must I comb my hair? Why does the car have wheels? Why can't I go out and play? Why must I share? The whys are endless. And if you're a parent and you're listening to this and you have a child that's on a perpetual why rant, here's a high five to you. I've gone through it. I'm still going through it. Just hang in there. The questioning is great. It means that your child is curious and eager to learn and is seeking to understand the world around them. But when we shut them off by saying things like, don't ask why, just do it because I say so, or you ignore their questions, what happens is that we invalidate their freedom and courage to ask and to understand. So I flipped through my journal a few days ago and I and I saw a powerful quote that I actually wrote and, and I want to share it with you. It, I wrote, It is in the questioning that conversations are born and it is in the conversations that relationships are built. Conversations involve talking and listening. The challenge for us parents is then to do less talking and to do more listening. I once read a quote by an educator that says, we spend the first years of our child's life teaching them to walk and talk and the rest of their life to shut up and sit down. <laughs> if you're chuckling at this, there is a pinch of truth to it. We get so hyped up and excited when they say their first words and the hype continues for a little bit. But when they get older and conversations actually require time, energy and intentionality, Sometimes, unconsciously, we shut them up by ignoring them or disengaging them when they want to speak. There's something that I do in my home that I found really effective and I stumbled on this actually by accident. When Seth was about four years old, I told him, Come here, Seth. Mummy wants to talk to you. His first thoughts were, What did I do? I must have done something bad. But... I took this time to tell him all the special things and the special person he was to me. That mummy I need to talk to you time became a space for conversation, which I still continue now. It was, It is apart from our dinner chats, our day-to-day -day chats that we have on the road, in the car, while playing. What I found was that the mummy I need to talk to you times was a space where I can actually have him all ears and my ears were also open to whatever he wanted to say. The daily conversations are necessary and important but when we 
do the extra by intentionally carving out sacred times for conversations, we learn to hold space for our children. And I think as our children get older, this space will increasingly become more important for them and also for ourselves. The second thing that Asian parents should stop doing is this. Stop building fences, build boundaries. What it means is that don't overprotect your child. You can't do this. Don't go there. You're not allowed to. We sometimes overprotect our children without realizing it. Protection is like a fence that we build around our children. Imagine your child in the middle of the, a field, maybe filled with flowers, a swing, a beautiful stream, and a lot of place to roam, to kick ball, to play. Now, every instruction that we give our child is like a fence that we put up around them. Would you like the fence to be a boundary that they can still have room to play and run and be by themselves and be themselves and have fun? Or would you rather the fence confine them to just one spot, uh, something like a prison cell? When we overprotect our children, they lose their freedom to try new things, to discover what it's like to experience the good, the bad, the ugly, they don't lose their ability, though, to do all these things. They lose their freedom to do it. And the younger we expose them to new things, the more they learn. Sure, I'm aware that we all need to protect our children and there are circumstances where greater protection is needed. For example, if you've had a past traumatic experience or if your child has a medical condition, my point is this. We as parents need to learn to let go. And the earlier we learn to let go, the easier it is that to eventually let go when we need to when they're older. When I was 18 years old after completing a year of pre-university, I decided to take a gap year. And back then, gap years were not very popular, especially in the Asian context. Gap for what? Must go meh? Finish your studies first and then you can do whatever you want. Those were the common notions, but I'm super thankful that my parents decided to parent differently. So at 18, they allowed me to design my own gap year. I took a certificate course in copywriting and worked part-time for half a year to save up for an internship in New York for the next half of the year. I learned the ropes of working as a receptionist at Garden Pharmacy in Uptown. Then, I met all kinds of people and then at night, I took night classes and learned the basics of financial management, which is to earn some money and then to save some more. So the next half of the year was crazy. I took the longest solo flight I've ever taken then to New York City and in turn with Metro Ministries. I it was then the largest Sunday school in the US, I think, at that time. I took to the streets of Brooklyn to give out flyers and then to invite children to streetwalk Sunday school. I knocked on doors of strangers and of children and their families. And it was the first time that I made sense of what family dysfunctions are all about and what emotional poverty is and what is hope. I walked many stairwells because lifts were always broken in the flats that I visited. And I was always greeted with 
a horrible stench of urine and weed lingering in the air. In fact, as I'm saying this, I can actually picture my blue Converse shoes running up and down those stairwells. When, I, when it came to safety, actually one was never guaranteed because gunshots could be heard any time of the day. I learned to be streetwise actually, which streets were safe to walk in and to roam and which, which streets I had to stay clear of and never venture into. Those four months were the best four months of my teenage life. I learned how to ride a bus, yes, a 24-seater bus, and I drove it around New York picking up children. And one day I had the, my first major accident since obtaining my license. So as I look back, I wonder what went through my parents' mind when they agreed to let me go. They must be crazy to let their 18-year-old daughter venture into that part of New York. And did I mention that 9-11 also happened at the same time when I was there? All that aside, my takeaway from this four months is that when we allow our children the freedom to explore and to learn and to step into their own, they become more resilient and better people. And those four months taught me so much about myself and also about my destiny. The last and final thing that Asian parents should stop doing is this. Don't be the one to introduce stress to your child. Stress only came into the picture in my life when I stepped into the working world. But of late, Unfortunately, I've been hearing about children being stressed with school and with classes and with life. The stereotypical tiger mom or dad would be overscheduling their kids for an endless sea of extracurricular activities. If you can relate to this, ballet class, maths, kumon, tuition, tennis, swimming, gymnastics, archery, piano, violin, etc., etc., but almost without the child's consent. I know that all parents have the best intentions in mind. Sure, I do too. We want to expose them to everything at a young age, give them the competitive age, let them go for what we didn't have a chance to experience when we were young. But actually, if you think about it, could there be a slight tinge of FOMO there? If you don't know what FOMO is, it's the fear of missing out. Wow, Jane's girls go for ballet class. I must send my daughter too. Wow, did you see how fast John's boy is solving math problems? Must send for Kumon lah. So-and-so can play drums so well. He looks so cool. Boya, yeah, you want to learn how to play drums too? <laughs> if you chuckle at this, my take on this is this. Stop comparing and start observing. Tease out what your child may have interest in or have talent in. Give them an option to pursue it or not. And sometimes it requires encouragement and a little push from us if we really see talent. And when they have decided on an activity or a class, help them to achieve success in that because they have chosen it. And in that way, they will discover more of who they are and what they are made of. The bottom line is this. Get your child's consent. Have them agree with the decisions that you make and help them understand why you make certain decisions. Give them space to just play and have fun. 
free play is so underrated. If we overschedule our child's life, they don't know what to do with free time. Worse is if the only thing that they know how to do in their free time is turn on the TV or go on their phones, then guess what? We've missed the opportunity to help them develop their right brain functions through play, curiosity, imagination, creation, innovation, and all things creative. The other thing is this. I've learned from my own parents to do activities as a family. So instead of sending your child from one class to another, find an activity that you can do together regularly as a family. An example would be rock climbing, swimming, hiking maybe, drum circles, pottery class, dance class. I remember taking dance classes with my mom and my brother way into my 20s. And we had so much fun looking forward and dancing together. Yes, my mom rocked at contemporary jazz moves. We had heaps of fun learning together until today. I learned a new skill, but I've also learned what it means to have fun as a family. So these are my three observations of Asian parenting and things that we need to stop doing. The parenting journey is goal, isn't it? We are entrusted with little humans that will one day make more humans. It's fluid and unique, and we get to craft our own journeys as parents. Asian or not, we learn, we unlearn, and then we relearn from history, observation, and life. Let's be the best Asian parent we can be. But don't be so Asian lah, if you know what I mean. So, thank you so much for listening. Please drop me a comment on other parenting observations that you may have. I'll love to hear from you and connect with you. Share this with other Asian parents and have your own conversations about it. So signing off now. Until the next episode, more chit chat soon. Bye.